Let's just say I put him in a hole and threw away the hole. Welcome to the Suicide Squad cast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the upcoming Suicide Squad movie as well as all the other DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we are big fans of all of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screen, so we want to make sure we talk about all of it. So thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. My name is Scott. Yep, and my name is Tim. And man, are we excited to be here with you tonight. So Scott, what has been happening with you this week? Well, I've got to say, after last week, episode and my sort of black comments about Gotham this season. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Watching episode two of season two, Knock Knock. Why couldn't the rest of the show be like that? Yeah. I was blown away. It was like everything I've been wanting Gotham to be. It just took them 24 episodes <laughs> to get there. Yeah. And and then not only that, what was so surprising to me, and I, I couldn't agree with you more how good that episode was compared to not just this year, but pretty much all of last year. It was at a whole new level, and why couldn't they have made that the season two debut episode? I, I don't know, because I feel like a lot of people already dropped off of the show just based on the season two premiere. I know that there is a podcast that unfortunately no longer exists anymore because of the meh reception of the season two premiere, and it's like, wow, just wait one more week, and then they just blew our socks off. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good episode. I mean, they they hit all the notes that I've been looking for, and and you could just see something really big is building up here, so looking forward to it. Yeah, and if you guys haven't seen the episode, I'm trying to stay as spoiler-free as possible, because it is an episode you want to see. Yep, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so what else is going on with you this week? Oh, just life stuff. (laughs) You know, people planning parties at my house, that means I have to clean my house. I don't want to clean my house. Takes away from podcasting time. It does take away from podcasting casting time. You are right, Tim. So how about you? You know, busy week as usual. Today was kind of a fun day. I got to watch some surgeons cut into some cadavers. So it's uh, kind of a morbid thing, but it's part of my job. And so I got to kind of do that. Uh, so that's a fun day for you, huh? <laughs> Not so fun, but it is what it is. This makes me very concerned after our trip to the chemistry lab a few years ago. I, I was, what were you doing? <laughs> Well, let's just say, you know, I said I needed to go off for a walk and we'll just leave it at that. Oh, I'm so concerned now. Help (laughs) me, people. Help me. So, Scott, you know, we've done enough of the small talk here. Let's get on to the news. So this week, Suicide Squad, just a little bit of news. Uh, We know this is going to start ramping up as we get a little closer here. But Jared Leto was at the Dubai Music Week Festival over in Dubai. And he was teasing a little bit about the Joker. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I saw it, but I didn't click on it. I'm going to be honest. So what did it say? Well, you know, he's there, you know, promoting his band, 30 Seconds from Mars. And I assumed playing some music as well. But some fan turned up in the audience wearing a Batman shirt and came up to ask him a question. And so Leto kind of fired back and he says, you know, you are really brave. I can't wait for you to see this. They are going to lock me away in a box after this movie comes out. So he is kind of all in with this character right now. Well, I mean, it kind of goes along with some of the news stories we were hearing about during filming of Suicide Squad that apparently he was just like ultra into character. 
character, yeah. which has not worked out so well for previous actors in the past, but it seems like he's really enjoying himself, mm-hmm. which makes me a little bit more excited to see his performance in the movie next August. So, you know, hey, if he's that jazzed about it, great. I would rather an actor be super excited about our film that's still, you know, almost a year away than him not really talking about it. Yeah, and he was, uh, I guess you call it method acting. He remained in character the entire time he was on the set, which probably creeped out his co-stars a little bit. So much so that he even sent gifts to some of his co-stars. And I think, was it to... Margot Robbie got a rat. Yeah, Margot Robbie, he sent a rat to Margot Robbie. And I think a funny story, it made its way over to... Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, so somehow, I guess he inherited the rat at some point. I don't know if that story is still true or not, but uh, that's what I had heard. But at any rate, he pretty much stayed in character the entire time. So I like it when an actor does that. So, you know, I'm looking for really good things here. Okay. Now, I heard that there's going to be some exclusive uh, DCEU footage going on at the Moscow Comic-Con. Yeah. So apparently the initial word was there was going to be BVS exclusive footage and Suicide Squad. And I think the later word was that Suicide Squad would not be showing any new exclusive footage. But apparently Carol Premier, which is the distribution company for the Russian market, they have some exclusive content that they're going to show for BVS. So I'm wondering, I think that's actually going through this weekend. So I'm wondering if we'll get any news about any kind of new scenes that might have been shown. Well, we'll probably at least get some typed up summary descriptions of what the new material was. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe we'll get something new that we can talk about uh, during a week through Twitter or something like that if we hear something new. So Cool. Well, now, something I read on Heroic Hollywood from Umberto Gonzalez was there's actually a new rumor out there, and he classified it as rumor about the next Batman v Superman trailers coming out. Now, yeah. it was interesting reading this article because he did talk about the fact that he broke the IMAX screening uh, story for the teaser trailer that came out. And so what his rumor is saying is that on Monday, October 26th, which is the premiere night for Supergirl on CBS, mm-hmm. if you watch Supergirl live on CBS, you'll see a minute-long teaser trailer for Batman v Superman that focuses on Superman. Yeah, and then during that same time, uh, during Gotham, which airs at the exact same time as Supergirl, Umberto said that there will also be a minute-long teaser focusing strictly on Batman. This is just not fair. <laughs> I can't watch both shows at the same time. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I don't know. Do you have a means of recording the two shows at once? Not in my home, but through, you know, other people. Okay. Which is probably how I'm going to be able to watch if this rumor turns out to be true. Uh, this is how I'm going to have to watch it is just I'll record both episodes and then I'll just have to do the fast forward thing yeah. on the DVR. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott, if it is true, I will tweet you and find out which episode you actually watched. I'm guessing it's probably going to be Supergirl. It's going to be Supergirl. Yep. But I will definitely tease you about what was shown during Gotham. No, oh, and I'll tease you what was shown during Supergirl. Well, I will have both because I can record both. Oh, well. <laughs> now, the what cool thing is, is that apparently that it's going to build up to a full length trailer that will feature both Batman and Superman yeah. in front of some other. It was going to be Creed. Well, it says Creed or. Could be Spectre or Hunger Games. Right. I'm kind of hoping for Spectre or Hunger Games because I'm actually going to go see those two. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to go see Creed. Yeah. So I'm hoping for Spectre or Hunger Games. Well, either way, you know how these things go. Uh, they pretty much release these things online anyway. So sit back and just kind of wait for it to drop. Yeah. Well, here's hoping. Yeah. I, I, I want more trailer at this point. Yeah. So, which uh, as a tease for next week's episode, we will be discussing both the TV 
teaser trailer and the Comic-Con trailer of Batman v Superman. Right. So, d- dear listeners, stay tuned next week for that as we give you our thoughts on that trailer. Yep. Uh, speaking of people that we saw in that trailer, Michael Shannon's going out there and just saying more stuff. Yeah, so Michael Shannon played Zod, obviously, in Man of Steel. And, uh, and this story came out, might be two to three weeks ago at this point, but uh, when he was being interviewed, he kind of revealed or said something that kind of got the internet buzzing. He had said that he had gotten stuck in a bathroom and he couldn't get out. He couldn't turn a knob because he had these, what he described as flippers on his hands that he couldn't grab a knob and turn it. And uh, so he kind of backtracked from that a week later or two weeks later and said, hey, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't really flippers. Actually, um, I'm not even really in the movie. I'm just doing voiceover work as a ghost. And so he was trying to backtrack from revealing some information about him probably wearing some kind of prosthetic in the film. And then he went on to reveal that he actually is going to be in it like like a ghost in the film. So I think at this point in time, Warner Brothers just gave Michael Shannon a call and said, hey, can you just please shut up? (laughs) (laughs) Stop talking. So this past week, Michael Shannon is still trying to downplay what he probably revealed as true, that he was wearing some kind of prosthetic. And he says, you know, sometimes I just make stuff up. And basically at this point, all I'd like to say is, hey, Michael, it is okay. You don't need to try to backtrack on this. We know you're in the film. We know there's some kind of expanded role. Uh, you're not very good at covering this up. So just just roll with it. So that's my that's my message to Mr. Michael Shannon. Oh, uh, well, hey, I loved him as Zod. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in, a, you know, in so, whatever capacity he's going to be in Batman v Superman. Yeah, even if he's in flippers with Aquaman, that would still be pretty cool. <laughs> so speak for yourself, Tim. Yeah. Speak for yourself. By the way, Batman v Superman, surprise, officially rated PG-13. I can't believe this was news. Like we didn't know it was going to be rated PG-13. Yeah, you know, I read a quote online and it said, not rated R. This is a big surprise. And that quote was by nobody. Nobody in the world (laughs) thought this thing was going to be rated anything but PG-13. But what is actually kind of funny is when you dig into some of the comments people were posting on this, some people were seemed to be genuinely upset and surprised that it was only going to be PG-13. And I ask you, Scott, if you've got the two biggest superhero characters known worldwide in a film for the first time ever in the entire history of these two characters existing, does it make sense for you to make a film rated R, which is basically going to box out probably 70 or 80 percent of your audience? Does that make sense to you if you're Warner Brothers? Well, one, no, it makes no sense because you're limiting your audience because we've seen what happens with R-rated movies historically. Right. And two, it makes no sense considering that every Batman and Superman movie dating back to 1989 has been rated PG-13. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just what the it's just the rating you get. Yeah. Um, now we did get from the MPAA the official explanation of why it's rated PG-13, and it states for intense sequences of violence. No kidding. Yeah. And action throughout. I'd hope so. Mm-hmm. And some sensuality. Sensuality. What could that possibly be? Oh, who knows? It's probably Lois and Clark. You know. It, <laughs> well, it could be. It could be Bruce and Diana as well. Well, and I'm kind of rooting for that because they did that in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. That was kind of a cool relationship there. So I'd be okay with that. And, you know, and I would also say I would not rule out Jesse Eisenberg and Holly Hunter because, you know, and we'll talk about this next week uh, when we review the Batman v Superman trailers. But I think Lex is trying to work his magic and uh, maybe try to get a little bit of time, extra time with the senator that is played by Holly Hunter. So we'll see on that. 
that. But that's just kind of like my little running theory. Okay. And one last thing on this. So the fact that this has actually been rated by the MPAA, what that means is that they have a final cut that they reviewed of this film. So I think, you know, we, we've kind of been speculating that maybe they're just going to keep tweaking it and keep tweaking it. But I think they're genuinely at a point here where they're they're done with the film. Well, I think at this point, it means that the footage is done. Maybe they still have some post-production to do. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, usually, I think uh, they, they actually have to rate the final cut, but uh, I could be wrong on that. Some of our listeners could correct me on that. Yeah, maybe. The spe- I, I, I thought maybe they could get away without any, with maybe some, they still need polish on special effects, mm-hmm. but I really don't know how that works. Yeah. So. So, uh, so there was one other little piece of news. We talked a little bit about this last week. In fact, we even named the episode title, I Can't Believe It's Not DC Movies Clickbait, because you made the great point about how so many headlines were really misleading about what was actually said by Zack Snyder in certain quotes. And I read a headline that basically said that Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, uh, the headline said that Kevin Feige was firing back at Zack Snyder. And so I'm like, oh, so what did he say? So I open up the story and all the quotes that Kevin Feige had said had zero to do with Zack Snyder. (laughs) So anyway, this was just another example of websites just trying to lure people in with with headlines. But he actually did say a couple interesting things. He he also went on to comment like Zack Snyder did uh, about Steven Spielberg's comments about superheroes kind of going the way of the Westerns. And and he said something here that I really did like. So I, I do want to touch on it, even though this is a DCU podcast. And he said, you know, I don't believe in the comic book genre. I don't believe in the superhero genre. I believe that each of our films can be very different. And he went on to say that the Western lasted 40 to 50 years and they still pop up occasionally. You know, based on that, we've still got maybe another 42 years to go. But yeah, he the, he took the very high ground. The, the interviewer was trying to, to bait him into saying something uh, back at Zack Snyder, but he did not fall for it. Ah, well, good for him. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of sad about the fact that George Miller is denying these Man of Steel 2 rumors. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, well, um, but when you read the quotes that he has, it just kind of sounds like, well, maybe he just hasn't been offered anything yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still holding out hope. You know, that what I'm hearing now is that Man of Steel 2 may be happening in like 2019, 2020. Yeah. And so in this interview from Digital Spy, he does say that he grew up in an era that was mainly DC. So that's the pantheon for me. Mm-hmm. So it shows that there's some there's some love there between George Miller in DC. Mm-hmm. And he also talked a little bit in this interview about his failed Justice League movie that never got off the ground and kind of explains what happened there. So, I mean, go check out the article, but I'm just hoping this means nothing's going on right now, mm-hmm. but maybe something will happen in the future. Yeah, we'll see. So stay tuned. But yeah, it was a little bit of news on that. But this is something I wanted to bring up to you, Scott. I saw that there is something new coming from DC Collectible and it's going to come out March of next year. And let me tell you what it is. It is a statue done by James Marsano, and it's got these very beautiful red and blue and gold colors in it. And it is a statue of Wonder Woman. Have you seen this, Scott? Yes, I have seen this. It's it's Wonder Woman as portrayed by Gal Gadot for Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. And I am buying it as soon as the pre-order <laughs> becomes available. Guys, if you have not seen this, go search this. It was just... Re- it was just unveiled this week. It is a beautiful Wonder Woman statue. Yeah, and this goes with the other three 
statues that they've already uh, released images of, um, one of them being Superman from Batman v Superman. And then there were two other statues that were Batman related, one with his his conventional costume and the second one being that armored suit. And they all just look incredible. I've already pr- those three I've already pre-ordered okay. like they are that my, my 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 credit card has been you know charged. They are they are they are coming to Papa. I am so gorgeous. Yeah, these things are coming at a price, too. So it's save up your money now, kids. Uh, it's $150 a statue. Yeah. And now, is it... I actually think the armored Batman... I think the armored Batman's a little bit more, or are they all about $150? Um, yeah, I thought they were $150 more, but I wouldn't be surprised if armored Batman be a little more, because it's it's got to be a bit more material. But it's gorgeous. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm going to see if I could kind of squeeze one of those in there. I'll, have to, I'll probably have to make a hard decision on which of the four I only buy once. <laughs> so... Uh, I would say treat yourself to the armored Batman. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. But this Wonder Woman is, it's a gorgeous statue. Yeah, it's great. You got to, you got to check it out. Jump online and search for DC collectibles and you'll see these statues that we're talking about. I wonder if we're going to get an Aquaman statue since Jason Momoa, has, it's been said that he's been scanned for yeah. DC collectibles. You know, I think we probably will. Ooh. So, I mean, wh- why else, why else would they scan unless it was going to be something this nice? So I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I assume that's a normal process that they scan the actors stay tuned stay tuned so tim i actually wanted to do a little comic book news this week if that's okay with you yeah definitely let's hear it um something i actually i wanted to talk about last week but we were running a little bit long was i did you know about these uh dc comics book and blu-ray sets that they've been releasing yeah i heard a little bit about it but uh, i'll let you talk about it because i know you you were really itching to talk about this last week um so if you're not aware of this guys there is um, these collections of hardcover graphic novels of DC stories that have been either adapted or inspired that great line of DC Universe direct-to-video DVDs and Blu-rays that they've mm-hmm. been releasing for the last... Um, I've even forgotten how many years that they've been out. It started with Superman Doomsday, and the most recent one in this line was the Justice League Gods and Monsters that just came out this summer. Mm-hmm. But what they're going back and doing is that the ones that are directly inspired or adapted, they're releasing a hardcover graphic novel with the Blu-ray and DVD that fit into a pocket in the inside back cover. And then, in addition to that, you get a ultraviolet digital copy of the movie and a comicsology code to get a digital copy of the graphic novel. Yeah. So for a price point of about $27.99, you get a physical graphic novel, a physical Blu-ray, a physical DVD, a digital movie, and a digital copy of the graphic novel. Yeah. I God, I think that's an amazing product right there. Yeah, I mean, so the second wave that's coming out is actually, what, The Dark Knight Returns? And, yes. And uh, the Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, and lastly, the one that just came out, Throne of Atlantis. Yes. And so those are coming out I think sometime in in early 2016, mm-hmm. those three new ones. Right. But they've already released six this year, and on November 3rd, they're re-releasing them, but all in one gigantic slipcover box set. Yeah. And that is uh, Justice League Origin, which was the first six issues of Jeff Johns' New 52 Justice League series, and the movie Justice League War. Uh, the anthology series Batman Black and White, Volume 1, with the movie Batman Gotham, 
Gotham Knight. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman Gods and Mortals, which is the George Perez relaunch post-crisis with that Wonder Woman animated movie with Carrie Russell and Nathan Fillion. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Grant Morrison's JLA Earth 2 with the Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. And then Batman Year One. And then the Death of Superman graphic novel with their very first movie, Superman Doomsday. So there, that's a lot of gra- that's a lot of comics there for you. Yeah, it sure is. You know, and and I guess recently, and I don't know if the sale is still going on, but just another way to pick up these uh, DC animated uh, universe movies, Voodoo, uh, Voodoo V U D U, which is actually the it's a digital storefront where you can purchase movies and and you can actually rent episodes and things like that. They actually just had a special where they had was it all twenty four or all twenty seven? I can't remember the it number. It was twenty five. Okay, twenty five. So they had all twenty five DC AU movies available for one hundred dollars, and this is to get an HDX digital copy that you can watch on any platform, anywhere, at any time. And they just had that sale. So I'm gonna tell you, there's probably a lot of people that gave in and purchased that bundle. So stop pointing fingers, Tim. <laughs> stop pointing fingers. I, I just want to know how many actual copies, uh, whether it be physical or electronic, you've actually purchased of each of these movies. Uh, thanks to that bundle, now I own three of some of those movies. Three. Now, speaking of bundles, did you see more of these covers that have been unveiled by DC for The Dark Knight 3, The Master Race? Unfortunately, yes, because I I can't stop seeing these variants because <laughs> I can't buy them all. Yeah. I, just, I just can't, and they keep on teasing me because the collector in me wants to catch them all, but I can't. I just It's not possible, but I love me some Frank Miller. I love me some Dark Knight and more and more covers by gorgeous artists just keep on coming out. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, for those of you who don't know, is that what these are are retail exclusive variants, meaning that you have to buy them from specific comic book shops or specific retailers to get certain covers. So it really kind of becomes a scavenger hunt <laughs> if you want to get all the... I mean, it, it's upwards of like, what, 20 covers now? Yeah. For just issue number one? Yeah, it's... It's getting to a point where it's, from my standpoint, it's kind of like, okay, this might be a little too much here. I mean, I understand this is this is a pretty big event, and it's it's gonna it's gonna dovetail very nicely with Batman v Superman coming out, you know, next year. But you know, when you get beyond five, six, seven variants of a given issue, I think at that point in time, it just it creates some really uh, difficult situations for people that just want to collect and have every edition that's out. And uh, so, I from one standpoint, I really love it because looking at some of these covers. I've just been so impressed with some of uh, the artists that have created some of this content and some of them I would love to get, but you know, I would never be able to get them all. And uh, my expectation is that at some point they're just going to publish a book that has all the covers in it and then you'll be able to get it that way. Oh yeah. Well, the collected edition that comes out, will have them all printed in the back probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so Tim, I'm excited about this because with the Suicide Squad movie coming out next August, I feel like that DC is really starting to sort of jazz it some interest because they just announced this week and I follow Brian Bucciolato on Twitter and if you guys don't know who he is he was the co-writer and colorist for the first New 52 run of The Flash. Yeah. That was excellent with Francis Manipal and then they've recently wrapping up their run on Detective Comics and Brian Bucciolato just announced this week that he will be writing a six issue anthology series 
series titled uh, Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, Deadshot, and Katana. Yeah. Now, Tim, what have you read about this new spinoff series? Well, what I've heard uh, is that each of the six issues as part of the anthology will actually have complete stories for Deadshot and Katana. Now, it sounds to me like the the characters are not necessarily going to interact. When I first saw the headline of this, it seemed to me that they were going to be kind of teamed up. And I didn't get that sense at all. It sounds like Katana, her story arc is going to be attempting to prevent Cobra from taking over some entire nation of some sort. And then Floyd Lawton, uh, a.k.a. Deadshot, was going to be getting this high dollar hitman task to go after none other than Lex Luthor. So that that story alone sounds like something that I definitely want to check out and read. So I don't know. Were you hearing anything else about this? Like from what I read, it sounded like they weren't going to intersect. No, no. it, It just sounded like it sounded like just two separate stories that are just being published in the same book. Yeah. So and which is interesting because Katana is going to be in the Suicide Squad movie. But even in the current new Suicide Squad monthly series, DC Comics is putting out Katana is not a member of the Suicide Squad. Yeah. So it's you know, this is obviously tying more to the movie than with what's currently happening in New Suicide Squad. Yeah. So, which by the way, Suicide Squad fans, if you don't know, the new Suicide Squad annual number one came out this week. So go check that out so you can you know, keep up, get your monthly fix of Suicide Squad right now. Yep, definitely. So Scott, um, we j- talked about comics a little bit. Let's jump back to TV just for a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, go ahead. There's a little bit of Supergirl news that I know you wanted to touch on for sure. Oh yeah. Um, actually, it happened today, which we're recording on Friday, that on the Supergirl TV Talk podcast, which I'm a giant fan of, I love the the guys Frank and Tim. Yeah, uh, great they, show. The great great show. They had a great interview with Sterling Gates, who ro- who wrote a great pre New Fifty Two run on Supergirl. And today they just released an exclusive interview with Helen Slater. Yeah. Now, for anyone who maybe doesn't recognize the name, Helen Slater was the Supergirl played Supergirl in the 1984 feature film. Right. And then went on to have other DC-related roles. She was the voice of Talia al Ghul in Batman the Animated Series. She got legacy cast as Laura on Smallville. And the legacy casting is continuing in Supergirl because she will be playing Mrs. Danvers, uh, Kara's adopted Earth mother, alongside uh, Lois and Clark star Dean Cain as Mr. Danvers. And it was a nice interview. She talks about the current show. She talks about her experiences getting on uh, the original Supergirl movie back in 84. So I just want to send a big old shout out to Frank and Tim at Supergirl TV Talk and Beer with Geeks. And go check out, go subscribe and download that interview. I think it's really great leading up to the show coming out at the end of the month. And she did say that there's going to be a big flashback episode in episode five, what really deals with the Danvers growing up with Kara. Well, that's awesome. So yeah, congratulations guys for for snagging that interview. And I'm looking forward to downloading it and giving it a listen. So we'll be checking that out. So maybe we'll touch on that after I've had a chance to catch up on that. Um, Now, Scott, there was one other minor piece of news here involving HBO uh, that we cannot end this podcast without touching on. So Zack Snyder apparently has been in some kind of discussion with HBO to do some kind of series, which I presume is, you know, in the pipeline that they're looking to maybe be something that HBO can kind of lean on once uh, Game of Thrones ends here in the next couple of years. Um, They're meeting with him to talk about a Watchmen TV series. What do you think about that? I mean, Zack Snyder, I I thought, did an incredible, incredible job putting out probably the most faithful comic adaptation 
adaptation of any movie I've ever seen uh, in The Watchmen. And, you know, and recently DC had before the Watchmen series, they kind of filled in some of the other gaps. What, what do you think of another series dealing with The Watchmen? And this may be being an ongoing series. Um, I don't know. Like the comic book fan in me, like gets excited about the idea of a, of a Watchmen TV show just because it's Watchmen. Yeah. I love the graphic novel. I enjoyed the movie. Um, I enjoyed the director ultimate cut, not as much the theatrical release, but the ultimate cut that came out years later. Yeah. But I read the before Watchmen books, all of them. Uh, the quality varied greatly yes. between the different series. Some of them were excellent. Some of them were meh. And some of them were just plain <laughs> terrible. Yeah. And I'm afraid what the TV show would be. I I don't want it to be a sequel. I like where Watchmen ended. Yeah. I don't want the story to go further than where the graphic novel went. But I'm also concerned about a prequel because I've already seen that with those before Watchmen uh, minis that DC did. So I just don't know. Wh- yeah. wh- where I need to know more, basically. I need to know where where are they looking at this taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, the most interesting thing to me would be going back to the Minutemen. That would yeah. be the one that I'd be the most interested in. And that's exactly what I was thinking, too. Like, the Minutemen is, was always kind of the most intriguing part of the original Watchmen novel to me. Uh, it just, even to this day, you just see so many different takes on the Minutemen. Like, you can go to Scott Snyder's Court of Owls, and when I read that uh, storyline, you know, they have this these this kind of, like, group of people that would get together and take this little group photo, and, and it was so reminiscent of what Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons did in Watchmen. And I, I've always, like, enjoyed the little bits and pieces that Alan Moore gave you about the Minutemen uh, in the 12-issue series, and and I could definitely see that explored a little more, and so I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. If we were going to do something with Watchmen, I'd like to see them explore that maybe a little more, because I think that could be a little bit more self-contained. Well, it's also, I mean, basically what Alan Moore was doing was he was creating sort of a dark underbelly, dark underbelly version of the Justice Society. Right. Yep. So that would be, you know, the idea of heroes from the 40s back during the Golly G days that weren't so golly G when you really got to know them. Right. So I and the and the idea of it being a period piece would intrigue me as well. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, very little information at this point. Uh, the only thing that's happened is HBO has confirmed that they were having some discussions with Zack Snyder, uh, but I don't know that they even confirmed what it was about. So, but at least it's confirmation of, of uh, the rumor that came out. So, uh, once again, let's sit back and see what happens. And uh, you know, I would hope for the best here because HBO, you know, puts out some pretty phenomenal shows, and and since it is HBO, you would expect it'd be a pretty good budget for it. So, so I've got high hopes. Yeah. Well, let's jump into sort of our our main topic for this week. Right. It, we wanted to kind of give our thoughts about the upcoming. DC TV fall seasons. Uh, that mainly is Arrow season four, Flash season two, and a little bit about iZombie season two. Don't worry, right. we haven't forgot about Supergirl. We kind of want to save that for something closer to Supergirl's premiere. Yeah. But Arrow and Flash, by the time this episode is out, will be coming out like in two days. Yeah, just a few days away. So we kind of wanted to talk about where we felt like the last seasons left off and what we're hoping for in the current seasons that are about to be released. So, yeah. Tim, get us started. What show do you want to talk about first? Well, I'd actually like to kind of start talk about Arrow. Uh, Arrow was the was a show that I kind of fell in love with first. It actually started the whole, we'll just call it the DC TV universe, you know, where there's at least 
shared continuity on WB. And, and uh, I loved the first season. I loved the second season even more. The third season, half of it, I really liked. The other half, I just felt like they were kind of rambling a little bit and weren't really quite, you know, sure what to do with the story. It, it just seemed like the pacing was not real great with the series. And from my standpoint, I felt like it started to lose a little bit of steam because the incredible things that Oliver had to go through to form himself into becoming the ultimate weapon who wields a bow and arrow. And I've always loved the fact that he basically basically had to work hard over those five years to become what he was. And when I started seeing other characters in the show almost get to that same level with very little time, I started feeling like, okay, you're kind of diminishing everything that Oliver did. And so the way the show ended, him essentially riding off into the sunset, like literally riding off into the sunset with Felicity. I was really kind of hopeful that he'd put some space between himself and the other characters in the show. And I'm hoping to see that, you know, it is just not working without him. And it, it kind of puts him back at the level that he needs to be in comparison to his sister. I hope it comes back to where he is far and above the most talented of the group when it comes to all of his skills. And so I'm hoping that when he does come back, he truly need him. And he is a, a whole new rejuvenated character. And I think we've been hinted at that a little bit. It seems like when he returns to the show, he's going to have a new costume. And maybe more importantly, he's going to be referring to himself as the Green Arrow. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And like one last little thing about the series that always kind of bugged me. It was a concession that they seem to make when they launched the show. Star City, as it's always been known in the comics, they, for whatever reason, they called it Starling City. And it seems like they are changing the city name and it's now going to be called Star City. So not only are you going to have Green Arrow in the show, but you're going to have Star City. And I think the connection to the source material is going to be that much greater. So I really feel like the producers of the show felt like they lost a little track of what made them so successful the first two seasons. And I'm really hopeful that we're going to see that return to form this season. Well, I agree. I mean, I enjoyed season one. I adored season two. I think think everyone. And I think what happened was season two was incredible. I mean, you had Deathstroke, Slade Wilson as the bad guy in season two. And it was just an incredible season. And then season three kicked off. But then you also had Flash season one happening at the same time. Right. And I think Arrow suffered a little bit from, you know, comparison to its little brother of, wow, the Flash is really fun and it's really embracing the source material, like the nicknames and everything. Mm -hmm. And I thought the first half of season three of Arrow was was good. There were Mm -hmm. lots of high points in it for me. Right. And then I really, I haven't gone back and watched all of season three to really kind of see when did I kind of start to go, I was watching Arrow out of obligation, but I was watching Flash because I just loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But as I watched that like four minute trailer that they just released of season four of Arrow, I love Neil McDonough as Damien Dark. I just love the actor. I know nothing about the character of Damien Dark. I know they referenced Mm -hmm. him in season three. I know nothing about his comic book origins. I did love the trailers that show that he's got like some cool powers, like stopping Mm -hmm. an arrow in midair or something like that. But I just love the actor and they're actually introducing him in episode one. So we're going to get our big bad like 
immediately. And that's yeah. exciting to me. Uh, I just about wet my pants when I found out that Matt Ryan was going to be in the season <laughs> as John Constantine right. because yeah. that show needed to get a second season. And I'm so glad they're able to bring him back and that they're really tying in sort of a magic thing going on this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that it's Star City. I love the fact they're calling him Green Arrow again. Yeah. I do think you're right. I think they got some feedback from season three. I'm not sure if they did it intentionally or if it was like backlash from how fun Flash was. Yeah. But I feel like they're trying to go a little bit more comic booky in season four. Um, but you want to know what really got me down about season three and it was so disappointing was I just didn't find the flashbacks as interesting. The whole Hong Kong story really didn't drive me when the island flashbacks in season one, season two almost became my favorite part of the show. Yeah. And when I saw in the trailer for season four that Amanda Waller was going to be back and maybe playing a stronger role in the flashbacks, Mm -hmm. it gave me hope for the season four flashbacks because I missed, I I wanted Amanda Waller to stay. And with the Suicide Squad movie coming out and so many characters suddenly becoming off limits, I like the fact that we're still going to get Amanda Waller in the show. Yeah, I was uh, was kind of the same way when I went back and thinking back when I watched uh, season three, the whole Hong Kong set, I started getting a little confused about what was going on. And then once I got confused in some of the details, I kind of actually lost interest as well. I, I agreed, like the island sequences were so much more interesting. And obviously at some point he's got to get back on the island. So hopefully that happens sooner than later in this season because yeah, I'm with you on on the Hong Kong sequences. Now it's interesting. I read the digital first series Arrow mm-hmm. season 2.5, which is actually scripted by Mark Guggenheim. Mm-hmm. I think there has to be a trip to Russia this season. Oh, okay. I think they dropped some hints uh, that there was there there has to be a, some time in Russia before he goes back to the island. Well, we know he he knows how to speak Russian, right? So at some point in time, you know, he has to have uh, spent some time over there. So it looks like they're running out of time, I guess. And you know, he's supposed to be gone five years. Well, I guess this will be the fourth year because they're kind of doing it by year. Yeah, they're, they're doing it in real time. So yeah, in real time. So so yeah, they got to squeeze it in before he gets back to the mainland. So, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just interested to see where they're going. Um, I did find it funny that this week that David Ramsey, who plays John Diggle on the show, addressed the controversy about his costume because I'll admit I had the same reaction everyone else did. That's Magneto's <laughs> yeah. helmet. Yeah, it, it's so funny. I mean, I, I've, I've always loved the idea of him taking on some kind of mask or costume. And I was always hopeful he would be some version of the Guardian. Yes. And I was totally expecting. I thought this fits perfectly well into him as a character. And and for the most part, I thought they did it right. But yeah, the helmet just wasn't just wasn't exactly what I want to see. But, you know, I think it'll probably feel a little different when you see it in live action. And in fact, you do in the trailer. And it looks better in the trailer. It looks it looks better in the trailer. So we'll just have to, you know, again, we'll have to give that one a chance once we see how it works. And that's exactly what David Ramsey said. He said, wait till you see it. Wait till yeah. you see the film. Well, and he also said that the helmet's able to do something and that, you know, this was something that was created by Star Lab. So we'll have to see. I assume Cisco is involved from The Flash. We'll, we'll see what he came up with on that. Yeah. So speaking of The Flash, so we also have season two of The Flash starting. Now in this one, I mean, w- what more can we say about the first season? To me, it's probably the best superhero show on all of TV that I really I've ever seen. Amen. Amen. I mean, it's just, it's such a fun show. You know, I mean, it, The Flash has always been a fun character anyway, but the show was just fun and they embraced the kookiness of The Flash's rogue 
rogues gallery of villains. And uh, obviously, The Flash has a huge following. And Warner Brothers and, and DC Entertainment really struck gold with this show. And, you know, the way it ended last season, Flash disappeared into probably the multiverse at this point. And we've already seen that he's going to be encountering Jay Garrick, which is the traditional Golden Age Flash. And there's also been talk that we're going to be encountering Wally West. I'm just excited in general to see a continuation of the fun that we just had from the first season. I mean, I went back and I was watching the Flash season one box set. And one of my favorite lines comes from the Flash versus Arrow, the, the part one of the, the crossover where, you know, uh, Barry tells Oliver, yeah, we named him Captain Cold. And then and then Oliver <laughs> goes, we'll talk about your giving silly nicknames to your adversaries later. And he goes, oh, like when we have coffee with Deathstroke and the Huntress. And I just yeah. I just love that little banter. <laughs> but the fact that they they created a character in Cisco where they get to own the silly nicknames. They yeah. even eventually gave up and called the guy Rainbow Raider later right. on in the season. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Well, and let's not forget Caitlin Snow. She actually, didn't she name Golden Glider? Uh, she named, she named Peekaboo. Oh, was it Peekaboo? She, well, she was the one who named it Rainbow Raider and uh, Cisco wanted to call him Prism. And then she gave Peekaboo her name. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I do remember. I, I need to really go back and watch that oh show. It was just so much fun. It's yeah. so much fun. And I got to tell you, that finale uh, was just the feels. I mean, oh my yeah. God. Um, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the finale of season one of The Flash, but Eddie Thawne shooting himself <laughs> and wiping the reverse Flash out of existence yeah. took me completely by surprise. And then previous to that, when Jay Garrick's helmet comes flying out of the singularity <laughs> and <laughs> Cisco goes, what's that? And Eobar just looks at and go, that's my cue to go. That's my cue. <laughs> I, I had so much fun. And the funny thing was, true story, my mother-in-law had not watched the series at all. Just happened to be doing laundry and saw the season finale on TV and said, this is kind of cool. Why didn't I watch yeah. the rest of the show? And I feel <laughs> like it's amazing that that show was so much fun that someone could just watch a random episode and go, I wanted to watch the rest of that. Yeah. So that just makes me hopeful for season two. Now, one thing I did hear from season two is that while the particle accelerator was kind of the, you know, what I call the meteor rock uh, mm -hmm. reason for all the bad guys having powers, apparently yeah. they are really tying it closely in with Earth 2. I mean, obviously, because mm -hmm. you got Jay Garrick in there. Right. But all the all the all his new adversaries or new powers are going to be connected to the multiverse and specifically from people bleeding over from Earth 2. So yeah. that that's just these writers going even doubling down on the comedy, on the comic bookiness of Flash season 2 and yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's such a great show. So guys, tune into the show. I promise you will you will not be disappointed. If you haven't given it a chance yet, tune in. The Flash is a, just a great great fun show. And we got to watch out for when The Flash and the Arrow are crossing over and getting ready for Legends of Tomorrow during oh, the yeah. mid-season break. Yeah. Wow, it's just, uh, this is, to me, this is just going to be the place where, you know, you're just always going to be able to have fun watching the DC universe. You know, the the, the movies obviously are going to take a very serious and very uh, realistic tone to, you know, real world consequences. But and the DC TV universe on the WB, it's just going to be fun. So we got the best of both worlds. I have to start the CW, Tim. It's not the WB anymore. What did I say? Did I say WB? You've been saying WB all night, sir. It is the CW. Okay. They're going to come after you. Well, let me just put it this way. I go old school. You know, they are always going to be the WB for me. So.
So yeah, I went old school a couple of episodes ago, and you just made fun of me relentlessly. <laughs> well, the the thing that you forget is I have the power of editing, so none of this will ever occur. Oh well. Um, now it's interesting. I want to talk about one more DC related TV show that maybe a lot of people weren't aware of or didn't give it a chance, but yeah, I Zombie, uh, based on a Mike Allred and Chris Robertson Vertigo book, uh, yeah. it got picked up for its second season, also on the CW. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that wrote the show off way before it even aired and saying, you know, this is this will be the first cancellation of the year, uh, not only for the CW, but also for all of TV. And I remember I watched this show, the first few episodes with my wife, and, you know, my wife has no interest in zombies whatsoever. But this show was a fun, quirky, likable, just very entertaining character uh, Rose McGyver plays. And, and uh, you know, I have not been able to finish the show yet. It's on my voodoo list of of shows, so I can't really comment on how the season ended. Uh, I think I'm about five episodes away, but this is where I'm going to throw it back over to you, Scott. Uh, it definitely ended strong. I watched yeah. all of it. I will admit, it was one of those shows that if it was in my Hulu queue, I w- could, you know, I was more than happy to catch up on it later. I, it wasn't a must-watch mm-hmm. for me, but I did enjoy it. Um, I have to admit that for anyone who read the comic book, it is... Well, it's way different. It's way different. I mean, they, yeah, they, it's not even the same. <laughs> it's not even the same. The character isn't even named the same thing. It basically yeah. takes the, the conceit of the comic and then creates its sort of own little police procedural, which right. is fine. I mean, the comic book is strange and out there and great for what it is. Mm-hmm. It would not have made a good TV show, in my opinion, at least not as a CW show. Yeah, and it actually, it did. It's actually done quite well, hasn't it? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I can quote the actual numbers here, but I mean, it's got a pretty strong following. Well, and it also it's it's got the Flash as a lead in. I mean, yeah. if you weren't watching it, it's Flash at seven o'clock on Tuesdays. It's iZombie at eight o'clock on Tuesdays. So yeah. I mean, it's like just wait through uh, Flash and go straight into iZombie. Yeah. So I mean, that's just a tiny little mini preview here. Uh, I would like to touch on the show again here in the future because I am going to actually get caught up here within the next couple of weeks and you know complete season uh, season one and then I'll just start catching up on you know what I've missed for season two so far but I would like to touch on this again so it was just a fun show yeah well and I think this is this is our point is that DC TV is the way to go I mean DC yeah. has all while the DC cinematic universe is kind of getting there they have been owning TV and the yeah. only thing I have to say is rest in peace Constantine because you were a great show that was just given a terrible time slot and yeah. I will miss you and my only consolation is I get to see Matt Ryan on Arrow this season. Yeah and I am guessing that won't be the last time we see him on Arrow because I think he's going to get such a strong response that we'll see him pop up again because you know when you don't have to maintain all the production crew and all the sets and all the things that go with you know keeping Constantine going all you need is Matt Ryan in his trench coat and maybe that cool little taxi cab uh, that he can ride and hopefully we'll see that in Arrow but all you need is the actor and you know if you could just find some time and throw him in there every now and then we'll, we'll still be able to keep getting Constantine so I'm hopeful that maybe this leads into something else down the road so let's hang in there Constantine fans oh yeah so I think that's it for this week's podcast and yep. uh, we want to thank you guys once again for listening uh, we know that there are just more and more people checking us out and we are so grateful and we hope that you're enjoying the show that you keep on coming back every week and you like listening to Tim and I blabber on for about an hour about just DC related stuff yeah I mean, it's been a lot of fun for us and we would love to hear from you. So, you know, if there's any news that you would like us to touch on or if there's something that you'd like us to talk about, you know, reach
reach out to us. So Scott, where can people find us at? Well, the best way to get in touch with us is on our Twitter account. The podcast has a Twitter handle. It's at Suicide Squadcast on Twitter. You can also reach me individually at ScottDC27. And Tim, how about you? Yep, I can be reached on Twitter at Alan Fire. Uh, very simple, at Alan Fire. So, you know, send me a note. Um, I'll follow you back if you follow me. And, you know, I love to interact with the fans of the show. And if you just want to talk about something, send me a note. Well, you can also reach us uh, if you need to say more than 140 characters worth of material. You can reach out to us via email at suicidesquadcast at gmail.com. And we've gotten several notes already from uh, some of the fans. And we've talked to you guys that are just enjoying the show and, and giving us some feedback. So we thank you for that. And just a reminder, you know, we're going to answer all the tweets and emails. So send us a note. We would love to hear from you. And actually, Scott, we had one iTunes review this week. This now makes a total of four five-star iTunes reviews. And as you guys uh, remember, as soon as we get to the 10th five-star iTunes review, we are going to give away a free trade paperback, uh, Suicide Squad related. So make sure you leave those reviews. And when you do it, send us a note and let us know that you uh, left a review. That way we have an easy way to contact you. But I want to go ahead and read the one that we got this week. It's from Superboy82. And just very simply, he says, the hosts have great chemistry. Fantastic. So Superboy82, thank you so much for that. And uh, I'm glad that that shows through because, you know, we, we feel like we work hard to, you know, just have a lot of fun. And if you're seeing it as good chemistry, then I think we're succeeding. Well, and I'd also like to put out a plea, if I may, Tim. We have two five-star reviews out there that are just starred reviews and not written reviews. Oh, right. Hey, guys, if you like our show that much, write a review. Get read on the show and get entered in for a chance to win the Suicide Squad paperback because yep. it's there waiting for you. This money's in my pocket burning a hole. So, you know, the sooner we get the reviews, the sooner I get to spend the money and send it out to one of the fans. So let's do it, guys. All right. So I think that's it for this week, Scott. So had a lot of fun as usual. Looking forward to Flash and Arrow next week and iZombie. So that's it. Let's call it a night. Let's call it a night. And remember, tune in next week for our review of the Batman v Superman trailers. Definitely. All right, guys. Have a good night and we'll see you then. said the WB for the last time. You have failed the CW.